Welcome to Beyond the Byline, the Eagles bi-weekly podcast. I'm Evan Margiela. This week, AU fraternities respond to photos of concern identified in an Eagle review of AU's yearbook. And later, I sit down with sports columnist Spencer Nussbaum to talk about the end of the men's basketball season and what the team has to look forward to in the years to come. But first, in the last several months, yearbook photos of students in blackface have garnered national attention. After pictures of Virginia Governor Ralph Northam in blackface were found in his old medical school yearbook, universities across the country began reviewing the content of their old yearbooks. AU was one of those universities. On February 11th, Provost Daniel Myers and Vice President of Campus Life Fanta Ah released a statement to the AU community regarding AU's yearbook. Myers and Ah said that a review of the yearbook had uncovered 15 photos, drawings, or cartoons of concern, reflecting racism or other bigotry. Yet their statement contained next to no detail on the exact nature of those photos. So, the Eagle conducted its own review of AU's yearbook. We identified and published a series of problematic photos, including several images of students in blackface. Some of those problematic images were members of fraternities still active on campus today. Since then, the Eagles administrative and local news editor Julia Gagnon has been in contact with those fraternities, working to get their statement on the photos. She has also talked with experts on race and racism within fraternities and was willing to sit down with me to discuss some of the larger context for the story. So let's start from the beginning. In the days and weeks since the Eagle originally published its article on its yearbook review, what were some of the things that happened? We received some responses from fraternities on campus whose past brothers were depicted in these photos that the Eagle had published. We received emails from members of Phi Sigma Kappa who contacted the Eagle and asked that two of their photos be removed from our online gallery that we had published. One photo depicted a brother in a native headdress and the other depicted a effigy hanging. They claimed that the brother wearing the headdress was part Cherokee and that the um, other picture depicted a medieval execution and that it had no racist connotation to it. They asked that they be removed on the grounds that they could not be proven racist. And because the Eagle could not immediately verify the context of the photos, we removed them. After that happened, we were contacted by the president of Alpha Sigma Pi, who asked that a photograph of their members in blackface also be removed from the story. It's important to note that the president stated that he and his fraternity were prepared to deliver a defamation lawsuit if the photos were not removed. That never came to pass, and the Eagle never removed the photos. Uh, Instead, we published a statement from the president in our story. So why did we remove the photos of the brothers in Phi Sigma Kappa and not those in Alpha Sigma Phi? We decided to take down Phi Sigma Kappa's photos because we could not identify the context. And we decided not to take down Alpha Sigma Pi photos because the photos that they wanted removed were of blackface and has been proven racist. With so many of the photos we published showing fraternity members, what is it about campus fraternities that make them so susceptible to this kind of behavior? So I spoke with a professor from the University of Connecticut named Matthew Huey, who is a sociology professor known for his work on race and racism, specifically within fraternities. 
he talked a lot about the history and context of fraternities, and he calls them some of the most segregated spaces in America today. He explained that fraternities that are not historically black are about 95% white. So um, he said, okay, well, is it an issue of racist people join these organizations or these organizations foster racist ideologies? He said it's a mix of both. Just living and socializing in those segregated spaces. He said he hasn't seen a lot of fraternities address the issue head on. We did also contact AU's Interfraternity Council and the president who said that the images found don't represent the Interfraternity Council AU now. The quote from the story is, I do not believe that they're reflective of our IFC community today. They also released their own statement on their Facebook page. So what's the university doing next to address these photos? A spokesperson for the university, Kelly Alexander, said that the university would not identify the photos that the Eagle posted as being either part of or not part of their set photos of concern. However... They are planning an educational event where they're partnering with the library and other experts in the field to examine the context of the photos. She did say that the photos will be uh, released following the conclusion of the event. So if that's what the university is doing to continue this project, what are we at the Eagle doing to expand and follow up on the story? I don't think this will be the last story we write about this topic. Going forward, I would love to include more student responses, different organizations on campus, you know, whether they're in support or not in support of the Eagles' decision to take down the photos, the fraternity's responses. We'd love to hear all of it um, and really get a good picture of how the campus feels about this. Also in the news this week... At a board of trustees meeting, the university decided to raise tuition by 3% in both the 2020 and 2021 fiscal years. Outside, students gathered to protest the tuition increase and the burden of college debt. And the Student Government Senate Finance Committee released a report on the spending and allocation of the SG budget, hoping to increase the transparency of how it uses its part of the student activity fee. Finally, the university committed to investing $61 million towards diversity and inclusion in 2019. To read those stories and all of our coverage, visit TheEagleOnline.com. But now, on to our second major story of the week. The men's basketball team is preparing for the Patriot League tournament on Tuesday to determine which team from the conference makes it into March Madness. So, I wanted to take a step back and ask some broad questions about the men's basketball team. What were some of the big themes of this season? What do they have to look forward to? And what's it like to cover basketball at a school that sometimes doesn't care too much about sports? To help me answer those questions, I brought in sports columnist Spencer Nussbaum, who's been closely following the men's basketball season. So AU is not known as the biggest sports school. How do you keep up a sports column and write to a student body that's not always interested in what's going on on the court? Yeah, so definitely I keep that in mind when I'm writing and when I'm watching the game. It would be naive to say that, you know, covering basketball at a school like American is the same as Michigan or Tennessee or any other, you know, big state school. What I try to keep in mind is both that there are still people that are interested. So those are who I would classify as sympathetic readers, uh, as well as unsympathetic readers who still can be, you know, invested in the things that happen during the game. One thing I like to do is I like to intersect, you know, what happens during 
during the game with things that are happening on campus. One recent example, I compared the defensive skill of YY, who's a player on the men's basketball team, to the Wonkrat. So I said that, <laughs> yeah, so I said that uh, YY is like the Wonkrat and, you know, the paint or the area close to the rim on the basketball court is like megabytes. You know, he, he does everything in his power to just make sure that it gets shut down. Uh, <laughs> What insights do you have about the men's basketball team that maybe the average student who attends the game might not? Uh, yeah, so I, because I'm so close to the action, I can hear, you know, what the players are saying and how they're communicating. I'm up close and I can hear, you know, what frustrations they're having on the court, as well as the kind of the play calls or the sets that they're running and go back to those later and see, you know, what's working there or more often than not, you know, what could they be improving upon within those sets. So uh, just getting a close understanding of how the team plays with one another, as opposed to, you know, what the player with the ball is doing at all times. I can see some and hear some things that a fan far away may not be able to see up close. So a good example of this would be a couple weeks ago, the Eagles were up by a lot and Mark Gasparini was standing around as player was shooting free throws and the opposing bench, they were, you know, they were cussing out Gasparini, but the Eagles are up 20. So he had this, you know, this sense of confidence and he just decided the best course of action would be to blow a kiss to the, <laughs> to the opponents. And, you know, that kind of shut him up. And that's something something that you know fans may not be paying attention to as free throws are being shot or uh, they just may not be able to see up close. So you've been following this men's basketball season pretty closely. What are some of the big themes and trends you've picked up on? Yeah, so there have definitely been, you know, a few uh, prevailing trends throughout the season that I've come to notice. A lot of close games that have been decided by one or two possessions, you know, three, four, five points. AU has tended to lose those games. And in games where, you know, one team gets off to a hot start, that team is typically going to be American and they're typically going to win. They're not getting blown out by teams. And, you know, in comparison to past years, you know, last year, there were a lot of injuries, you know, the team team won, I believe, six games under Coach Brennan. And so really just there's this process of growth that you can see from last year to this year where they're still figuring things out even this far into the season. So what do the Eagles have to look forward to moving into next year? I think the key thing is that they will be returning almost all their starters from this year. They'll only be losing Larry Matuzas, who will be graduating after this year. But other than that, you know, they're returning the same players. And I think that a level of continuity is something they've really missed this year because there's been so much turnover from last year. Because the team, you know, they're losing all these really close games. A lot of that can boil down to, you know, still figuring out how to play best with the teammates and a sense of knowing one another. So the fact that, you know, a lot of their key players will be seniors next year and they'll really, they'll know the flow of the offense. They'll know, you know, how to keep the energy up on defense and they'll know how to play both within themselves and uh, as a team. You know, that's something that the Eagles can look forward to as they try to make the NCAA tournament. Thank you all for tuning in. Beyond the Byline is produced by Sasha Jones and myself. We'll be back after spring break with a special satire episode of Beyond the Byline. In the meantime, have a wonderful week.